to change some things up this morning. Um, it's going to be, I, you know, we have a kind of a rare opportunity. That things, things that don't normally happen all the time. And, and one of the things that, um, that we struggle with in this church is the fellowship and really kind of getting to know each other. And, you know, at, at a board level, we wrestle with that. We go, how can we do, you know, a better job? And how can we... Um, spend more time, and um, so anyway, I, I've been kind of wrestling with this a little bit. I talked to a couple people, I talked to Rennie, Rennie this morning, and said, man, I just, if, if numbers are a little bit light this morning, I want to do something different. Um, I'm excited about the sermon I prepped. I'm just going to push it off until next week. Um, I might hit on it a little bit because it's in my heart, and I, wanna, I, wanna, I definitely want to preach it. Um, but I kind of, I just want, everybody just get comfortable, relax. Everybody just relax, all right? Everybody just, don't worry. But um, I just want to ask, and this is not a challenging question, but why? You know, why are you here? Why, why are you, not in glad tidings so much as why are you following Christ? I mean, why, why do you find yourself here? And maybe, maybe some of you guys can probably just write off an answer like really quickly. And maybe some of you are going, yeah, I don't know if I'm even following him yet. And some things that I say from time to time here is I can look around in this congregation and some of your stories, you know, I know, I know well. And so when I see some of you worship, it, it, it really, you know, I hate using the word touches my heart. It sounds so cliche, but it does. It touches my heart because I, I can almost see the joy because I know where you've come from. And I, I know what God's done in you. Um, so what I want to do is I just... I just want to take some time to, to give you guys an opportunity. We can't do this every Sunday. We can't do it both services, and we can't do it with a full house. But I feel like we can do it this morning, and I just know we will get to everybody. But um, I want to ask if you can kind of try and keep it to five minutes. Some of you, that would be hard to do. Um, some of you may be hard to get to five minutes. Some of you would be real hard to keep it under five minutes. You have my problem. Um, but I kind of want to just say, you know, I'm here. Um, now, again, I grew up as a Christian, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Nick Vitato, one of our district leaders here, and he, and he said, he said, I've been saved as long as I, I can remember, and that's really my story. I, I don't have, I don't have a day when I remember, man, this is the time where God came into my life, because as long as I remember, I was going to church, I was in church, and, um, uh, and I, I just watched God do so many things in my parents' life. But it was always, it was always their faith. It was always their relationship. I mean, I had my relationship with God, but I wasn't dependent on God. I was dependent on my parents. You know, I wasn't worried about where food was coming from or, or different things. But what I did see is I saw his faithfulness in their lives. And it just, it just stayed with me. And I remember when I, 17, when I, when I joined the Army and I, and I went away um, to boot camp and I, I remember it was after that I was in the airborne school, and I was sitting there, and uh, I was kind of at a, at a point in my life where I feel like God was saying, who are you going to be? Because I was at this, this kind of like this, this split in the road where I could do anything I wanted to, and I could fool my parents if I wanted to, and I felt like God just said, who are you going to be? And I didn't really look back in my life. He had healed me from meningitis. I had meningitis when I was two. He miraculously healed me. Um, but I was two. Like, I don't remember that, you know? Um, but I remember sitting here going, I can't look back at my life and look at all these things that he's necessarily done for me because I was a kid. But I just remember going, man, his faithfulness. And at that point, I said, you know, God, I just want to, 
I'm going to live for you. And, um, and it was at that point that, that he really became real to me. You know, I mean, I, I knew him, but it was at this point where he really became real. And when I took a stance for Christ, um, it was great, but it was challenging, especially in the military. I mean, it was challenging. I, I you know, and this is kind of getting my message a little bit, but, but with him comes joy and peace and happiness. But with him comes persecution and with him comes sacrifice. And when you accept him, you have to take a stance. And so with my decision to stand for Christ, I endured all kinds of persecution. And it was at that point where he really became real to me because I saw him show up in my life in a way that he, I just never experienced before. And he was so, just so faithful. And, um, and that's just in my heart. I, and I owe him everything. And, and so with, with me, with my life, with him, I, I'm in it. You know what I mean? Like whether I'm preaching, I don't know what my life looks like. I don't know if I'm going to be passionate forever, but whatever I do, he's going to be the focus because I'm in. I mean, I can't go anywhere. I got nothing else. He's all, everything that I've got. He's everything that I want. Um, but I hear so many people say, I don't have a story. And I, and I just want to say that if, the, if you think you don't have a story, it's actually kind of an arrogant thing to say. I don't mean that horribly. Sometimes we go, oh, because I don't ha- didn't come from a drug addiction, that God hasn't done anything. Do you realize that, that, that your righteousness in your own eyes, to say I don't have a story means, well, my sin was never that bad. To say I don't have a story says, well, my sin wasn't bad enough to keep him on a cross. And that is so not true. And I know that's not what we think when we say that. But in reality, to say, man, I don't have a story means that my sin just really wasn't that bad. So, you know, he could have come. He could not have come. I would have been okay. Man, if none of us were addicted to anything and none of us had horrific stories, my sin as a Christian growing up was enough to put him on that cross. And, and when, we, when we see one of his story, we fail to realize that. And, um, but what I love about Christmas is, um, like that video said, and you'll see it again next week, is that he comes, it was messy. I mean, it's messy. He, he, he chose to come. He chose to have the shepherds come, and they were rejected. He, he chose to be born in a food trough, and that was unsanitary. Certainly not the place for a newborn king. And, and, and in all of that, we see how he chooses to come into our lives. And a lot of our lives look just like that messy food trough. And a lot of our lives, um, all of our lives were no place for a king. And a lo- all of our lives were, were not sanitary enough for a newborn baby to come into our lives. But, but in his birth, he, he paints this picture saying, no, this is where I'm going to show up because this is where you need me. And I'm coming into your life, into the mess, because you can't clean it. And so I have talked way much more than I wanted to. I, I'm just going to ask you to, just to be courageous and go, I just want to know, I just want you to share with, with the people around you. Um, like, where were you? Uh, what's your story? I kind of told you a little bit about mine. Um, well, where were you? How did, how did you come to know Christ? Why are you here? Why is Christmas Christmas for you? Why is this important? Why are you really following Christ? And you can even tell us, man, what's your passion? Like, what do you hope to do for God? I mean, what's in your heart? And if you're struggling with something, tell us what you're struggling with because I want to end this with prayer. And, uh, and that's it. I want to be informal. In fact, the sound guys, we're going to be on whatever mic this is. You guys can come sit down. Um, this is really, everybody just come sit. I'll, I'll just come, up, come up and have a seat. 
and just relax because this is not church this morning. Actually, this is church. The original church used to look like this. Everybody came with a song, and everybody came with a story. And so we're going old school, real old school. Rob. Thank you for volunteering, Rob. I won't do that to everybody, but I just saw Rob go, don't pick me, don't pick me. I wasn't going to pick anyone, so I just felt like I, I... I'm Rob. Most of you know me. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting this, obviously. Um, I'm, I'm here, I... I like to come here every Sunday. <laughs> it's a great place to come. <laughs> um, I look at it as a like a momentum builder for my week. Um, kind of like the the wheels always spinning and starts to slow down a little bit. We're all human, you know. We all mess up. Um, I I need personally. I need to come to church every Sunday. Um, yeah, I, I I need. I need Jesus because I'm a mess up. It's like um, most of us are, actually. Um, you know, I need him for, for forgiveness. Um, yeah. Rob's like, I wish you hadn't picked me. I'll give him time. I'm going to come back to Rob. I'll give him time to think. I'm coming back to you. <laughs> Rich, if Yeah, hi, everybody. Um, I'm Richard. Um, about five years ago, I think Pastor know, may know the story. Um, I weighed, I was a mess. I was um, 160 pounds maybe, no job. Family hated me. Um, so about five years ago, I was one of those guys who was up on stage there last week. So um, <laughs> that was, I never for the life of me believed that I'd ever get saved. I never thought, I mean, I was, grew up Catholic. Um, I thought I knew Jesus, but <laughs> totally no clue. So um, about um, four years ago, I still came back, no job, continued to believe, but, um, you know, honestly, Jesus is restored. I've um, got a full-time job now. Um, my family, um, I'm reconciled with my wife, my children, my, I'm a grandfather now. Um, it's, just, it's just unbelievable, and um, <laughs> I can't say enough. So that's my story, but it was all, all up to him. <laughs> All right. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Ejike. I was born in Nigeria, and um, just like Richard, I grew up Catholic. Um, did the whole uh, spiel, baptized, confirmed, and all that. Um, but it wasn't until I was in grad school that I really uh, became saved. I've told this story before about... Uh, my cousin, who was the first person to venture out of the Catholic Church in the family, and uh, we made, a lot, made fun of her, uh, and I was the ringleader of that. I was the one who organized everybody to, to um, make fun of her, laugh at her pastors, and, and everybody there who would um, call them names and uh, call the church the clapping church, because we don't clap in the Catholic Church. Um, so I did all that, and then when I was in grad school, um, a friend of mine invited me to um, a full gospel businessmen's fellowship. 
And the only reason I went there was I thought it was something to do with business. Um, I did know about the fellowship part, but I didn't pay attention to that. I was more focused on the business. And I got there, and there was all these guys and, you know, who were praising God and, and just uh, worshiping God. And I sat there, not wanting to do anything. But halfway through that service, I was convicted. Uh, by the end of the service, I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop jumping up. I couldn't stop praising God. And, and I was waiting for the next one. And then the next Sunday, I, I left the Catholic church where I was going and, and found uh, a Pentecostal church. And, and it, was just, it was just amazing, uh, the, the joy that came into my heart and, and, and the fire that, that lit up. So I, I believe that, you know, I read Rick Warren's book, and when he talks about every one of us being made to worship. I, I truly believe that. I think that we are all created to worship, uh, to worship God. Whether we decide to do that or not, we are, and everybody is worshiping one way or the other. You might be worshiping God, you're worshiping money, or you're worshiping your title, or you're worshiping anything, but you are worshiping something. Um, and I just believe that if, if, if you're so blessed and, and you listen to what God is saying and you worship him, your life will never be the same. Um, I, I just can't imagine anyone going without Christ. I can't imagine anybody living uh, their lives without Christ. To me, it's, it's just insane. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to God for everything he's done. Um, I will worship him all the days of my life, and, and my family as well will, will do that. And we just praise God for, for everything. Good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Kathy Wachira, or Mama Bob. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm so grateful this day and even this season uh, because I know the reason why Jesus was born on this earth is because of my sake, for the sins that I had done. And my Father in heaven uh, looked for a way for me to be delivered. And the only way was to give his best, his only son, his begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that I would have that freedom which I have today. I was born in Kenya, and uh, I remember that uh, many years ago, 1990, I desired, I grew up as a, I grew up in Kenya, up country, and I grew up as an action girl. I gave my dad a lot of headache when I was in primary school, when I was in high school, my college life, because I was not... I was not a quiet girl, I was an action girl. And uh, this time I was um, uh, a mother of two and uh, I desired to know the Lord. I grew up as a Presbyterian. My dad, my parents were Presbyterians and in the old Presbyterian church there were a lot of restrictions. So I grew up with a lot of restriction. And um, a time came for me and I desired to know, to go back to the Bible. And I, what I really wanted was to know more about the Bible, what I had been taught, and not to be, get saved. And so one day, one morning, I met a woman who I didn't know. And this woman gave me a ride to my workplace. And uh, I saw a book that was written, Hope. And uh, I took that book and I started looking at it. And when she saw that, by the time she dropped me at my workplace, she asked me whether I can keep the book and read it. And uh, I went, she took my contact and all those things, and she followed me up. She didn't uh, stop there. 
and she used to come to my house like every night after the children are asleep and all those things and read the Bible with me and, and, uh, and we used to have a ministry called Life Ministry is uh, some Americans who had come to the Kenya and they had formed a ministry where they were try trying to reach out to people to become saved and train them and all those things and so this woman was in that group she was a, a part of that and, uh, and so she made me join the, 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 the life ministry mission and I started but all this time I was not born again because I stressed to her that I don't want to get born again but I want to read the Bible I want somebody to be sharing with the Bible and uh, eventually even as we continued I remember one lunch time uh, she came to pick me up and we went out for lunch but we couldn't have lunch because something was burning in me and I felt what I have denied, what my parents have brought me up, becoming a born-again Christian or just declaring and deciding to have <coughs> Jesus Christ in my heart. I felt I need something. All that we have been doing, reading, is not enough. And that's when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, after that, we went on with the training. We were being trained on how to, um, uh, to testify, how to reach out, and and many other things, it is a training that took like two years. And um, uh, I grew after that, I had made up my mind. One thing that I want to say that I didn't tell you, when we were in high school, I had many sisters, five sisters, and all of my sisters used to get saved when we were in school. But when we go home over the holiday, they were not saved. But any time we go back to school, they would become saved through Christian Union. And then when we go home, they are not. I'm the only one who never did that. So my dad used to call me the black sheep because me, I'm not getting born again when we get to school. <laughs> and, uh, and I had made up my mind and I had said the day, I'll say, yes, Lord, come to my heart. I'll not turn back. And surely I never turned back after that. And I have served the Lord in many uh, areas in the country of Kenya and even when I came here and up to today and uh, I thank the Lord that uh, each day I am not perfect I have never been perfect but every day as I rise up I pray and ask the Lord order my steps, teach me this day, instruct me so that I will not fall, I'll go your way and I know even when I fall he lifts me up so this, I thank the Lord that uh, he is able to see me through each day as I pray and not that I'm perfect today but I prayed and I know even tomorrow the Lord will continue um, uh, guiding me as I continue in this journey of faith and one thing that I know is, I'm not taking longer than this that when uh, God created the, the man and the, uh, you know, he said he created the man so that the man can be a worker in the garden that uh, he had created with the plants and so today it's my prayer that I'll continue being a worker in the kingdom of yeah. God. God bless you. I'm coming back over here, but this size doing it. Oh, okay. Hi, guys. Good morning. Hi, Michael. Um, I'm Corey. I'm Rob's wife. Um, but I do want to say one thing. Rob's a man of few words, but I have to say you are always the wind beneath my wings. You always lift me. So, you know, I know it's hard to keep a secret. I'll be no, just kidding. Um, I just want to say that um, when I think about um, Jesus, I think about miracles. And when we read the Bible, we, um, you can't help but see how many miracles um, that are throughout the Bible, how many um, 
unexplained or um, healings or anything like that. And, and I often wonder, you know, <clears throat> if we as Christians, and, and especially non-Christians, wonder if there are any more miracles, um, is God performing, performing any more miracles? And um, I, I believe that him saving me um, from myself and from the world is a miracle, and that mm -hmm. each and every one of us are still are miracles, and we are still witnessing miracles of lives transformed every day. So I just want to say a little bit about, um, uh, I grew up Episcopalian. I went to church every Sunday, and I went to Sunday school. So, um, but I never, um, I never considered myself Christian. I just kind of went along with tradition. You know, you went to school, and you celebrated Christmas, and Easter, and you wore the Easter dress. And, um, you know, if you had met me, probably four or five years ago, you would have liked me. I would have looked the same. I would have been friendly, and I would have had a lot of friends. And, but um, I didn't like myself. And so I spent, um, I was two different people. I was someone who you saw on the outside, but I would go home and I was broken. Um, and uh, I put on a good show, you know, for the world. Um, and then God worked on me and worked in my heart. And uh, I didn't know it was God. And um, I didn't know how to find forgiveness um, until one day um, I began to pray, really pray. Um, and even my husband didn't know I was wrestling with some sins that I had to deal with. And um, I will say that uh, God did enter in. Um, I called him. That song, um, you know, I called, you answered. Uh, that happened. And, and it took me a long time to be like, is this real? Is this real? And, um, but God kept revealing things to me. I woke up one day and saw the world differently. I had different eyes all of a sudden. Things were happening to me where I was like, this is different. Like, the, the colors look different in the world to me. It was that visual. Um, and then one day, I, I, God just put so much passion for him inside of my heart that I, pr I, I prayed one day. And this is, this is what blows me away. He's done this many times to me, but this, this was it for me. I said, God, I said, God, if you, if you want me, if you want my life, if you, I will give it to you. I said, I, I prayed for ministry. I said, God, will you please, you have to make the way because my, I'm just going to screw up my own. If I go my own way, I'm going to mess it all up. But you have to open the door for ministry, and I, I will surrender. I will jump all in, everything. So, you know, I prayed that prayer, and two hours goes by, and I get a phone call from Pastor Selwyn. And his exact words were, Corey, are you ready for ministry? And I went, um, uh, 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 yeah. And he was like, great, because I have a plan. I'll keep you posted. And I said, okay. I got off the phone and I went, I didn't mean right now. Give me like a minute. I was just saved a second. Um, but God has done that many, many times. And again, that's a miracle. He hears me. He hears all of our prayers. And then I'm like, oh, I better be careful what I pray because... No, but I have to say that um, he is real. He's real to me. And I did get the best compliment. So my whole life I've always heard, like, oh, you're so nice. Oh, like I love your outfit, all those things. One day, someone who's a non-believer said to me, um, this was recently, it's probably a year ago, said to me, I don't know what it is about you, but I feel so much comfort around you. They didn't say they liked my hair. They liked the way I dressed. They didn't say... All they said was, I don't know what it is, but I feel so much comfort around you. And I felt like it was God saying, you are, you, you are where you're supposed to be. Because I knew why they felt comfort around me. It wasn't Corey giving them comfort. 
It was, it was God. It was Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit that they felt when they came towards me. It was the best compliment, the most beautiful yeah. compliment I've ever received in my life because I knew God was, was working in me. So um, that's a little bit of my story. That's it. Praise Jesus. singing about Jesus, and there was some um, woman up there with cat-eye glasses, and they're, you know, whatever. So he, he made the uh, uh, invitation, and I accepted Christ that night, and uh, with all this craziness going on around me, all these notorious people, and, uh, you know, the next day, like, this guy was mad at me for some reason. He started throwing rocks at me, and none of them, like, hit me, and I just had this incredible, I knew that something happened to my life. I knew that Christ came and that he was real because this guy's throwing rocks at me. I'm just like, hey, and none of them hit me, you know. And, uh, you know, as time went by, uh, through the court system and everything, I was in a teen challenge. And um, and that's where I started in the Brockton office. And, you know, again, I'm, I wasn't the wonderful, humble person as I am now. They did actually throw me out of there. So then they, they uh, we were looking. I had to be in this place based upon the stipulation of the court. And uh, they just said, well, where do all the knuckleheads go? So there was the one in Hartford, that was a, which was youth challenge. So that's where they put all the people that had problems with it in the other programs to go. And uh, and I ended up there with all these people in this house. You know, there's like 30 people in this house in in Hartford. And uh, you know, <coughs> I'm sitting there and I'm with my dad, and I hear like all the floorboards, <coughs> and I'm thinking, how many people you got in this place? He said, well, it's like about 35. I said, in this place, yeah. You know, and it was like, you know, I was in a rough part of town and everything in, in Hartford. And uh, and uh, my dad says, I said, you know, I, I can't live in this place. He said, this is a man that saved my life just by a few words. He said, what are you, chicken? <laughs> and it was like a challenge. You know, back then, you know, nobody calls you chicken, all right? So, yeah, no, I ain't chicken. What are you talking about? And so, so uh, yeah, I'll stick around. And I just thought, I'm just going to leave. And uh, anyway, said and done, I, again, it's a long story. So I survived this program for like eight years. I went to the Bible school and everything else. And, you know, 
that I experienced God firsthand because it was, it was Jesus in the morning and afternoon and at night. You know, it was just all about Christ for eight years. And, uh, you know, I had this incredible deliverance, you know, but then what happened as time goes by as in the Christian faith, you know, your faith kind of goes one way or another, and it, and, um, and it was time for me to leave, and I was out into the world, now in the big bad world with not, no, no longer that shelter of, uh, of what, um, you know, it was to have Jesus in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night. And uh, then I had to readjust myself, and, uh, and at, at the time what happened to many Christians, I, I got into this legalism thing, you know, that just took me, you know, and uh, I just felt everything was sin, and Everyone was going to hell, and I got to save everybody, and there were all these things. And it was just, and then my my works were never good enough for God because there was always something wrong with whatever I did. And uh, <clears throat> and then I found out that you know, uh, you know, I, I you know I just first blew a gourd, and you know I started going down fast. You know, and that had been you know, I don't know if any of you people out there live a long life in Christ. Sometimes you you kind of what they say backslide. I mean, you still got a faith in God, and you know He's still in your life, and He's still evident. But yet, then still, you know, you're going down the thing, and then, and but then you find out that you know what? I can't stop this black hole. You know, I'm sinking down in sin, or I'm sinking in this way of thought, or this oppression, or anything else that I can't get myself out of. You know, and uh, but yet God proved Himself so many, many, many times, at least in my life, that He says, "All right, you're down there, you can't get out." lifts you up again, you know, and, and what happens with so many of my friends that started off in the faith and everything, you know, they, they, they just kept on sinking and they never reached up, finding out that they themselves could not remedy their, their problems, but that they would have to wait for God to uh, do what he would do in them and around them and everything else, and yet to this day, you know, we're, uh, many of us that have been in the faith for a long time are still serving God, and, you know, we're here, and we're realizing that it's not us and all our works and all we all we have to do that we don't do or that we think we have to do. You know, I mean, you know, we follow a, a thin line. We we are separate from the world as we believe, but yet it's God in our life that really brings the true fruit and uh, brings us to a place that we know that uh, He uh, that is Him and not always us. And that you know we're sinful as we are, but yet God makes us righteous through the cross and through you know our belief. Him coming to the world. So, um, anyways, you know, it just keeps on going. You know, we live our day as we wake up. That's what I try to do. That's what I've learned to do. I said, all right, Lord, there's my legs, my hands, my feet, my soul, my mind, and everything else. I, I present it to you. And uh, some days it's better than others, but, uh, you know, He is there and so evident. It's just not a religion or a bunch of rules that we follow or mm -hmm. something that we've adhered to, but it's a living experience. And, uh, and he's not so quick to throw us down the hooper, you know. <laughs> you know, oh, I've sinned or I've fallen in this. Well, I'm going to hell now. You know, that isn't it because God has chosen us for salvation. And we, we follow and we become saved. And he, he keeps us into such a point to that, to that very day that we're, when we leave this earth that we will see him. And, uh, and anyways, that's my story. I could keep on going. But yeah, there you go. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. I love you. Barbara had her hand up. Let me get over here to Barbara. It's good hearing everyone's stories. And um, Hi, everyone. My name is Barbara, and I have a little story about how I found Christ. 
mine wasn't on the wild side where running around and parents running after me. But I was the most quietest person in my family, like, like I am now. <laughs> and I thought, I don't need Christ. Why? Because I don't hurt an ant. I don't hurt a fly. So I don't need Christ. So growing up at the age of eight, dad passed away and we couldn't go to church as we would. Our mom couldn't provide for all of us. So I thought, well, I don't have clothes. I don't have anything. I'll stay at home. Because what do I get from church to be good? And I'm already good. Little did I know that um, Christ is the perfecter of everything, not my goodness, not, not heading a fly or um, staying at home and not being bothered by anybody makes me whole. Well, I went on to um, boarding school, and it was there that there was a call that who wants to be saved, and I said, I'm saved already. I don't hurt anybody. I'm not saying that I don't sin, but I live a life that um, everybody knows, people in the face of people. I'm a righteous person. And then there was the answer that came and said, when you die today, do you know where you'll be going? And I couldn't answer that. An answer came and said, if you die without Christ, you're doomed. If you die with Christ, you have hope. And that is what hit me. And then I said, oh, I don't have Christ. I go to church. I know Christ has been born in a manger, died on the cross. But I didn't know the cost of his saving. I didn't know that he died on the cross so that man would be free. So I'll go to church. I'll sing, I'll do everything. This is, was before I turned um, 15, 16 to know the reality of living. And then the, the, another, the answer that came and said, if you die in Christ, you have hope. You go to heaven. And that is what struck me. And I joined the scripture union services in, in my high school where we are taught about um, being saved and if you are saved you have everything you have all that you have and then after that going home i realized that although i was by myself thinking that that is no more we are no more rich as we used to be i'm by myself and i thought that would have been the most perfect time for me because i like being by myself i realized that being with christ is the best thing that god can offer me mm -hmm. and i've been with christ the rest of that time and I, I've seen that with Christ all things are possible with Christ I am saved and I plant myself in him so much to say that even if I drop dead today I know that I have hope I will not be lost mm -hmm. so be content with what the Lord has given you it's not always where you are and saying that you're not drinking you're not smoking you're not following men or women and that you're saved but the salvation that Christ gave to us, believe it, and it saves. And that's my story.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. My name is Betiwa Mushidungo. Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of my life. I know most of you don't know me, but the Kenyans know me at Nakati and my good friends around here. I'm not your member yet, but I will be, I promise. Um, I've worshipped here for one year and a half because I've been working behind the building here. And I have loved this community of believers. I love your pastor. I love all of you. Because you stand for the truth of Jesus Christ. My story is a long, long story. I don't know whether I can finish it in this fellowship. I was born in Kenya, like Kathy. I grew up in a Christian family. My father was a church elder. My mother was a church deaconess in the Presbyterian Church of East Africa. And we grew up with rules, just like uh, Kadi said. I went to a mission school, a boarding school. I got saved on 5th September 1969. I followed Christians. I followed those who are saved. I didn't follow Christ. Mm. So uh, to cut that segment of my life short, I got married to an unsaved man out of that and I followed. I was still I still had my salvation. So I had my three kids and in, back in nineteen eighty two after I got my third born, the Lord found me once again in my bed and I wept bitterly. I wept I wept until my husband woke up. He asked me, what's the matter? I said, there is a voice that has spoken to me. That I missed the way somewhere along the way. I missed the promises that I was promised when I got saved. Mm. Because I moved from the purpose for which God had called me in high school. And from tonight, I'm going back to that purpose. And from that time, that was in November, uh, late November of 1982. I sometimes think it was postpartum depression I was going through because I had just given birth to my dad born. But um, I know Jesus Christ works uh, in ways that we do not know because he worked uh, from that uh, time and um, from 1982, I've grown from that weak Christian, from that weak follower of Christians, to a follower of my Savior. Mm. I bless his name this morning mm. because he has been working wonders in my life. I lost my husband 12 years ago in this country. Uh, on 18th July in 2002. The Lord revived, rejuvenated the greatness in my heart for his love. And I've seen him work great things from that time. I was able to stand tall and receive the bad news and make them to good news. I stand for goodness 
even as a widow, I stand for goodness in believing there is the, the, that God doesn't do wrong things. He doesn't strike you with the stuff that you can't handle. I am able to say that Jesus liveth in me. Amen. And whatever he began in my life, I am positive that he's going to bring it to completion Amen. for his glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. going to say like 1% of it <laughs> because I can't say everything because of time but uh, I also ju I just wanted to make a comment too that where I grew up uh, where I used to go to church like 7 years ago and before then every Sunday the program went like that like worship time and after worship testimony time <laughs> it was a routine yep. like that. <laughs> so that, uh, I feel like now I'm home. <laughs> 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 well, um, I, when I grew up with my grandmother, um, I was born in my grandmother's house. Then my mother went to me when I was little, but then from the time I was 10 years old, I came back to live with my grandmother again. And so my grandmother is a believer, um, and she told me stories of how the things God has uh, done for her and all that, and she took me uh, to church every Sunday. And so I kind of just went with the flow. But I really can't say, now that I, I am older, I can't say that I was a believer then, but I say that it's the fruit um, of what my grandmother did that mm -hmm. made me to become a believer. She, every vacation in their in church, there used to be youth camp, whatever, like the kids would go to a camp and they are taught about Jesus, and she used to pay for it, for me to go. I, uh, she never inquired whether I wanted to go, but she just paid and then told me to go, and I went. And every time I went for the youth camps, the, it was many times that I went. I and at the youth camp, it was a very good environment. Everybody's praising Jesus. So at that time in the youth camp, I always felt that I was saved. And I didn't know what salvation was. I thought it was like some kind of feeling. So when I was in the youth camp for the week, I always felt like I was really saved. But whenever I came home, I was like, no, where did the salvation go to? I, I wasn't feeling like I was saved. So my grandmother paid for, for the youth camps, and I went and, uh, you know, I attended all the youth camps, but there was this one particular one um, when I was 16. I went to the youth camp, and uh, as always, I went for the altar call when they called people to go get saved. But this time, I wanted to I wanted to inquire more. I wanted to understand really what is this salvation because I I get saved and I feel good, but whenever I go home, I don't I don't know what happens. Um, so I asked, I, I approached one of the camp uh, counselors 
and then I, 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 I asked them this question. And he told me that salvation is not, it's not about the feeling, it's not about uh, what, you know, some people, some people back there would share, share us of testimony of how they saw a big light coming and all that. And me, I'd never seen this light. So the man told me, uh, it's not about something coming to overpower you and controlling you and, you know, now you're saved. He told me it's a matter of making up your mind. You give your heart, yes, during that time of prayer, but you make up your mind every day that you're going to walk uh, according to the word of God, according to how God wants you to walk. And how do you know uh, how God wants you to walk is through the Bible. It's written in the Bible. So every day you wake up, it's a, it's a conscious decision that you make in your mind. And through that, it works in your whole heart and your body too. So, okay. So now I kind of understood a little bit. So that from that time, that's when I can say that I got saved. <laughs> yeah. So God has done so many things. As I said, my story is long. But I particularly want to say uh, about miracle. I have seen lots and lots of miracles in my life. And uh, I particularly want to talk about healing. God has healed me like a lot of times. A lot of times. And <laughs> this specific word is just, it may sound like silly, but I don't know how many people know boil, a boil, what a boil is. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what a boil is, it's something like a swelling, like a pimple, but it's bigger and then it gets so painful, like you can't really stand it. In 1994, I had my first boil. I'd, I'd never had a boil before then. Then it was under my armpit, and it was so painful. I couldn't even put my arm like this. I was walking with my arm up, and I couldn't mm. even sleep because in the night it was like throbbing. Mm. So it, it got swollen, and then uh, at that time I was living with my aunt. My aunt helped me uh, squeeze it, and then it was off. But my uncle was also a believer. My aunt was also a believer. And they, and they taught me how to pray for a healing, how to believe God for a healing for myself, for everything. So from that time, I prayed, I prayed God to heal me, of, to heal the wound, although it was already squeezed and I was feeling better. So my God healed me. And uh, from that time, from 1994, a boil has never, like, thrived. Thrive, I mean, I, I can feel that a boil. This is, you know, when it's starting. And I just pray. I just pray and command it to stop or go away in the name of Jesus. And it would go away. Mm, like amen. that. So many times. I'd be like, hmm, that doesn't feel right. Like some part of my body pain. And I pray and it goes away. The another time I had a swelling, something funny, uh, weird swelling on my breast. And I prayed God, and I also came to the front, although I prayed for myself, and I was prayed for. And it just went away. Praise so God. those are miracles that I've seen. 
that's just one percent of what God has done for me. You know, I praise God that there's 99 more percent of that, which is awesome. We have time for one more here. Good morning. Good morning. Got born again when I was 14 years old. Never knew about life. Just growing up, loving playing soccer. Um, come from school, go out there and play soccer. Many people that visited our family never knew me because, first of all, I was born between women, and so I had nobody to play with at all. I had to go out play with my friends out there. People would visit home and never find me. And if they come another day and find me, they would wonder, who is this one? Where is he from? Because I was never home. I could play soccer. I never had a problem with my dad because at least I was brainy. So when the results would come from school, they were fine. So nobody cared. They didn't go play soccer. As I said, a life is a book. I want to pick up one portion of maybe my life just to inspire us as well. Running away from my country, which is the Congo, the central part of Africa, we've had all for a long time now, even though it's not really known as war, but we had it. And so running away from my country, trying to find a better place to face life, I was already a Christian. Uh, grow up uh, also with the full gospel business media fellowship. They come up with a youth program and also. Find myself in this particular country and uh, because this is a refugee guy looking for a place, no good people is going to waste it. Put me in jail. You see, jail could be the lowest place to me, I believe, on earth, because it's a four walls. You only maybe manage to see the sky. It's an open place. I believe it's one of the lowest places. But if you ever thought that jail was only for the criminal, I will tell you no. You would find the most innocent people in jail here or prison you'll find the most wonderful people in prison jail. Criminals are there too. And I was already you know, serving the Lord and I was in prison. I felt like God had given up on me. I mean, I dedicated my, myself, my life to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So young. My friends would call me, let's go play soccer. I said, church. They said, leave church for the old people. You're still very young. I said, I love the Lord. I'm a passionate person, so I'll carry my big bag and go to church. Play soccer later. And sometimes I couldn't even play because I love going to church. 
being in prison. Now, this is an, this is not an American prison. Uh, from the point of what I've seen on TV, this is a critical place. Like, what about here? From this wall, this line, maybe over here, you have about maybe 80 people who are in such a cell. Think about the sleeping arrangement. You don't sleep, you sit. And so you have to sit piled. Probably like the way to watch a movie of a slave. Probably the way they used to pile up slaves. Maybe that's how. Because someone has to sit in between your feet. But you don't have to lean on him because he won't touch you. Nobody will agree to carry your weight from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. And you're not supposed to leave. You're not supposed you're not gonna go anywhere. And so I began to say, Lord, what this guy is doing to be in such a place? I thought I gave my life to you and served you. And what did you bring me here? Don't feel sad, it's just a story of a life. And so I was sharing with us, in this place, there's, there's a time for prayer. Prisoners pray. They do. They do believe God, too. And so I shared with this leader, and I said, I'm also a Christian, and he gave me a time to pray. When I did pray in that prison, the cell leader said, where are you from? Who are you? From a prayer. And then, from that prayer, they gave me a chance to share the word. From sharing the word, they gave me a place to lie down. From lying down, they gave me a chance to share with all the prisoners. We're talking about over 5,000 probably 4,000 prisoners in this prison. It's a kind of a remind prison, I remember. And I share the word. And so, my fame began to grow just like Job. I'm not Job, so anyway. <laughs> but just like Job. And people began to say, this this guy, wow, he speaks and all that. And I began to find favor. And out of that favor, I became a little comfortable. But in the same sense, I was praying God to get me out of here. When you are in a place like prison, I don't care how dedicated you are, you cannot really pray a spiritual prayer. Your prayer will be, God, get me out of here. <laughs> Especially that particular prison where I was. Let me just give you one description. It's a place where we, we eat uh, an African food called kak. It's cooked with maize meal or corn meal, whatever you call it. With beans. Now beans are cooked in water, just water and salt. They put it in a drum, so they put all the whatever being in. And so you have to line up for food, right? And when you line up, whoever's sharing or serving the food, when it goes like that and pour it on your plate, have to move. Now, I don't care how many grains of beans are on your plate. Sometimes you might get two grains 
and not kill you. But you have to move. If you don't move, they pour water on you. And that's hard work. <laughs> to the kind of a place. And I began to pray to the Lord. But then to find the purpose in this place, which is so horrible, was so hard because my focus was God get me out of here. Until, cut a long story short, God began to unfold the purpose why he allowed me to go through that. In as much as we're running from our own country, trying to find a better place to live. About close to four months later, God gave me a chance to share with these prisoners one more time. And I had a dream. I mean, this was a miraculous dream. A freedom from the Lord. I had a dream, and the Lord showed me, I believe, was the Lord. But you cannot have such a dream in such a place. If it's from yourself. That I was going to share with these prisoners, and then after that, I was going to find my way out. It gave me a little enthusiasm. All my friends had given up on me. Nobody came to see me. And that's so hard. You know, when the Bible says I was a prisoner, you visited me. You have no idea when you visit a prisoner. You really don't. It's such a strength. It's such an encouragement. Even if you brought nothing. Just the fact that you caused him to cross those two gates outside into a room he can talk to you. Such a great thing. But I never had more of that until my brother came up and you know helped me out. After I did share with these prisoners, I had that dream and he gave me strength. Miraculously, a week later, I was out. You see, the God you serve, I believe, sees everything. Don't just focus on what you're going through. There is more to it. It is written that everything works together sure. for good. God bless you. Sure. You know, um, we're, we're going to close, but just give you a bit of a teaser for next week where we're going. Um, Jesus came to serve, and he, he steps into a mess and he's born into a mess just like he's born into the mess of our lives a lot of times he's born into our lives in an extreme mess um, I know as a kid growing up and whenever somebody was coming over we'd always clean the house if it was family maybe not so much if it was someone especially you know um, of honor or whatever you definitely clean the house and so many times we, we try to clean our houses before we allow God to come into it and um, so as you read the Bible, you see so many stories. And, and one, of the, one of the greatest stories, and we'll touch on it next week, is um, when Jesus comes to wash, and he washes his disciples' feet. It was the place of the household servant. And um, I love what, how Simon Peter responds when Jesus is about to do this. This is from John chapter 13, starting verse 6. It says, He, Jesus, came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. He came to serve. And when you read that, you understand a little bit more why he was born into a food trough and why he was born into an unsanitary environment and why he appeared. Because our lives are that way. And so many times we go, man, I'm too messy. Or man, this situation is too horrible. And I think Jesus would say to you, unless I wash it, unless I clean it, unless I come in, you won't have any part of me because there's no way you can do this yourself. Whether you are, I love what Barbara said, whether you are a great and good person or whether you are in prison for murder, either one, you will never be able to clean yourself up and it's into your mess that he comes. And so that's, that's Christmas and that's our story. And uh, I, hope, I hope you've enjoyed sharing and I hope you've enjoyed listening. I know it's different this morning. But I, I want to end with just this. You, know, you can hear these stories and, and a, lot of, a lot of us right now are in messes in different situations in our lives or there are messes in our lives. It doesn't mean that Jesus isn't with us, but maybe the messes are overwhelming. And, um, and so I just want to end with prayer. And I just want to ask you, would you just stand and if there's something in your life, you don't even have to say what it is, but if there's just something where you're going, God, I, I just need you to step into this mess. And I can't clean it up no matter how much I've tried. I just need you to step into this mess. And uh, would you raise your hand? There are hands all over. Can, can we just, again, just you leave pews, but I just want to make sure that every hand is surrounded, is surrounded by people. Can we just do that? Can we just go find? Keep your hands raised, um, please. And everybody just, come on, leave the pews, guys. Just come out here, turn around, lay hands on, 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 on each other, and we're just going to pray and take these messes to, to Christ. And let's give them to him because he is the one who washes our feet. Is everybody surrounded? Keep your hands raised. We want to make sure people are around. All right, we'll come back here. And um, let's, just, let's just pray. Make sure everyone is covered here. We'll come back here. Lord Jesus, we just come before you, and we just thank you, Lord God. God, I thank you that you didn't leave us in a mess. God, even as Jonathan spoke, you didn't leave us as a prisoner without a visitor. You came and you visited us. And you visit us now and you step into the mess. You step into the brokenness. You step into the heartache. And, and only when you step in comes life and comes light. And God, I just want to thank you for every story that we've heard this morning. God, what we've heard this morning isn't religion. We haven't heard tradition. We've heard relationship. We've heard hearts. We've heard passion, Lord God. And we just thank you. God, we thank you that we have a Christmas to celebrate, God. I thank you that it's so far beyond toys and gifts and dinners and family. God, I thank you that we have a Christmas, Lord God, that you stepped into our lives. And I just pray, God, that you would step into every mess here this morning, every, every situation, every burden, every overwhelming thought. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, in the midst of them, you know exactly what your plan is. And so we just surrender these messes to you. We don't even attempt to clean them, God. God, would you step in? Because unless you wash this, it won't be clean. Unless you clean it, it won't be clean, God. So would you step in? We surrender to you, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've told us to do that. To cast our anxieties, to cast our problems, to cast our concerns before you, Lord God. And that you are so incredibly faithful, Lord God. 
And so we thank you, and we praise you, and we worship you. And this December, we just honor you, Lord God, with all of our hearts. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.